next generation is beaming aboard the airwaves. All the wonder, the excitement, the drama of Gene Roddenberry's original Space Odyssey. Welcome to the Enterprise. With all new adventures from the 24th century. With an all new Enterprise. This is nothing like any vessel I've seen before. And an all new crew. Starfleet veteran Captain Picard. Commander Riker. Executive Officer. Chief Medical Officer Crusher. And her brilliant son, Wesley. Lieutenant Commander Data, an android. The telepathic Troy. Security Officer Yar. Jordy, a man with unique vision. And Klingon Officer Worf. Shields and deflectors up, sir. Go to yellow alert. Their continuing mission to boldly go where no one has gone before. Let's see what's out there. Don't miss the all-new television adventures of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, and is that too wonderful for words? That is the original Star Trek The Next Generation trailer. That was the footage that everyone saw for the very first time before anything else. I love how he pronounces Yar. Security Chief Yar. Yar. Maybe he thought she was an alien. Well, then again, Denise Crosby is an alien. I don't think so, but maybe he wasn't really looking at it at all. This is Will. And this is Sci-Fi Guy, and this is a look back at Star Trek The Next Generation on its 35th anniversary. Who could have imagined? 35 years. Yes, 35 years. What a run, and it's still going strong. We still have now Star Trek Picard, and the whole crew, I guess, is coming back for a third season with Picard since we've only seen... uh, what is it, Data, Riker, Troy, just a smattering, a smattering, a smattering of the crew. So so instead of going, I was thinking about this this morning, I found out about it. Um, I had forgotten, actually, that it was 35 years. You know, I knew, I mean, I knew the uh, anniversary was coming up every September, but 35 years is pretty special, right? Every, say, 20 years, 25 years, 35, then I guess 50 will be the next, or maybe 40, so another five years will be kind of cool. But instead of going um, over all this, you know, trivia and blurbs and factoids and stats, I thought I would just do some remembrances, recollections of my own, and I'm bringing in a friend, um, a buddy, Brandon. My buddy, Brandon, he submitted he uh supplied me with a couple nice audio clips so i'll play them later he couldn't be live so but we're going to go over that and i'll just do some remembrances a couple facts though let's go it was of course 1987 when it premiered it ran for seven seasons the producers were gene roddenberry of course rick berman maurice hurley michael pillar and jerry taylor those are the main the execs Running time was between 44 and 45 minutes, and each episode cost $1.3 million. You heard it, <laughs> one point, which today, I guess, would that just buy maybe some of the costumes in the craft services? And I think dramas are up to three. I think it's like um, more than double. I think dra- most dramas today are like three million or so. So definitely a, a bargain, a bargonza back then. Um, so, so yeah, uh, 1.3 million and, um, what's really interesting for any fans who, 
who know the show now, of course, or even maybe in the later years, maybe by third or fourth season when it was really hitting its stride and getting popular, that at the time uh, when Paramount wanted to put it on air, there was a sense of this is a risk maybe, or we're not going to play and sort of participate. And this comes right from the official wiki about the syndication and profitability. Despite Star Trek's proven success, NBC and ABC only offered to consider pilot scripts for the new series. So they just, you know, they were going to consider. Then CBS offered to air a miniseries that be, that could become a series. So they wanted something longer and then, you know, perhaps then a, a, a you know, a standard running series if it did well. Paramount execs were offended that the big three TV networks treated their most appealing and valuable property like any other series. Fox wanted the show to help launch the new network, but wanted it by March 1987 and would only commit to 13 episodes instead of a full season. The unsuccessful negotiations convinced the studio that it could only protect Star Trek with full control. So that let you know um, went into and it led to the um, the first run syndication. So Paramount went to network affiliates and said, "Look, you know we'll split the advertising. You know you'll make money, they'll make money, and you know screw the big three. You know we don't need ABC and NBC and CBS, and that's what brought it into syndication." And then later, with Voyager, you know, United Paramount Network, after Deep Space Nine, then Voyager came about, and we had a full, well, they had, you know, a full sort of network, their own network. So, fan expectations. What did the fans think they were going to get? What did the what did the fan base, what did Star Trek's loyal fan base think that Paramount was going to give to them? And I know for me, it was a very, you know, much of a conflict. Um, and I'll talk about that later. But right now, let me bring on Brandon. My friend Brandon supplied me with some nice audio clips. And let me play them now. Well, it's tough to come up with something from back then. I remember it was like the early 90s and, you know... I was already stoked about it, you know, being a Trek fan from the original, original Star Trek. But seeing the next gen and what they'd, how they'd upgraded everything and, you know, the characters. But then, you know, you can't help but look at it, you know, from the, from its totality, you know, what it did over its, what, seven seasons, you know, how it all kind of begins and ends with Q and shit. I thought that was kind of cool, you know. Last episode was really, really uh, memorable. And, and it's a really good point, the idea of a show like Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, any, you know, even, say, The X-Files, any long-running drama, genre, sci-fi, you know, you've got that arc. And, you know, even, say, Dallas Dynasty soaps. Point being that, you know, you really have to, yeah, to the totality, you have to look at the show from, you know, the earliest uh, incarnation and embryonic stirrings until, you know, middle-aged, uh, you know, adulthood and, uh, you know, finish. And, 
you know, obviously with Next Generation, it went to the movies, but if you stayed the course, you saw so much, you know, character development. And Brandon has more to say about Next Generation. Well, I mean, I remember the when the when the series started, you know, and it was cool that it was. I don't know that I was necessarily overly excited, but I know I knew that I was going to add it to my watch list. You know what I mean? Add it to my my TV programming. But I think it's the overall, you know, experience from start to finish seeing all the different characters and the loss of characters and everything, you know, you get emotionally attached to them and then they're gone like Tasha Yar, you know. I mean, it's totality again is what really kind of made it great. And there you go, right? Security Chief Yar. (laughs) I love that narration. I love that voiceover. So, right, you know, seeing those characters, and obviously, you know, Tasha Yar didn't didn't last beyond the first season, but then her uh, her progeny, her uh, daughter came back to stir things up later. But, again, point being that, you know, you see these characters and their arcs and their development, and for Next Gen, going from seven seasons into the films, you know, we had some pretty great, uh, blossoming and continuation and development of these characters. So for me personally, I mean, later I'd go on to write a Next Generation episode and I fell in love with the show eventually. But in the beginning, uh, you know, I've said this in, in several interviews, print and, and radio, but I didn't have faith, ye of little faith. Um, I remember clearly reading, I believe it was the Daily News or the New York Post. I was um, in Bayonne High School, and I guess it was the end of 1986 or so, and that was right, you know, a year or so before Next Generation would debut, and I was reading an article, the entertainment section. It's funny, because I would read the newspaper, but not as a rule. I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be daily, maybe, maybe once a week, and I just caught that article, um, you know, promotion, you know, Star Trek's coming, Next Generation. And the promotional publicity photo had uh, Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard and the crew and the and the ship. And I was like, wow, this looks weird. And I just said, well, this bald guy. You know, I got to say, this bald captain and the, um, you know, the saucer uh, section or the, uh, you know, the flattened enterprise. I'm like, this is like a squashed enterprise. Like, what is this? And I just, I said, wow, I just didn't think it was going to last. I think that was my biggest, uh, you know, thought, most powerful, you know, uh, warning sign was that I don't think this will last, and maybe half a season a season. So why really get that excited and invested in it? And then subsequently I did. I certainly did. And I'm glad that I did. And it really changed my life. And, you know, and so it goes. Let's see what's out there. So without going over, again, a lot of facts and figures and and such, uh, you know, you can easily look them up and we pretty much know a lot. But this is, I guess, the saddest, uh, you know, thing about other Star Trek shows, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. And this is about the HD um, treatment, the upgrade from Wiki. CBS announced in 2011 celebration of the series 25th anniversary that Next Gen would be completely remastered in 1080p. The original show was edited and post-processed in standard definition for broadcast, as were all the show's visual effects. 
so the phaser fires such you know, beamings and fade-outs. For the remaster, almost 25,000 reels of original film stock were rescanned and re-edited, and all visual effects were digitally recomposed from original large-format negatives and newly created CGI shots. So again, to, to make that clear, all the phasers and transporter effects Everything had to be redone with computer and digital effects to make the new HD, HD prints. The release was accompanied by a new 7.1 DTS Master Audio. Michael Okuda believes this is the largest film restoration project ever attempted. And he's probably right, because this, this was 178 hours, where even the longest film may be 3-4 hours. So this is just Herculean. The process of making high-def versions of the series was an extraordinarily labor-intensive ordeal that cost Paramount Pictures over $12 million. And here, here is the real sad part. The project was a financial failure and resulted in Paramount deciding very firmly against ever giving Deep Space Nine and Voyager the same treatment. So again, very sad. What's really cool and interesting, I'm sure some of you guys um, have seen it, is the the new tech with the the AI upgrades. So um, they can, I, I suppose, you know, I'm sure it's still, you know, not seconds. Maybe it's many minutes or hours, or it is, you know, somewhat of a, a task. They can take um, HD footage, I guess, and upscale it even more or take standard maybe 520 720p whatever and get to full hd so for example a, a scene in deep space nine or voyager they you know put that in their uh, magic box their magic uh, software uh, upgrading and it comes out 1080p and i've seen the result and it's it's incredible to me i think it's well worth the the time now, I guess fans can do it. If Paramount Pictures wants to do it, that's of course, or you know, CBS, they share the copyrights or legal ownership. But I think um, that's really the way to go, at least. Though I have to say, watching um, Deep Space Nine and Voyager on Paramount Plus, they look great. So they're—I don't know if they're fully upscaled. I'm sure they're not fully HD, but they're really beautiful. So, you know. But the HDs are still not that, not that. But Next Generation was the sort of test of that, and it it failed. So, but we have, we still have it. We get to see it in HD. So certainly the uh, failure for the fans and for our love of it was not there. So happy thirty five Next Generation. It's just an incredible feeling to think it's lasting this long and it's bearing other fruit. And uh, let's look forward to another 35, or at least get, get to five, uh, another five years, maybe 40 and 50 or so. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys are listening and subscribing to Sci-Fi Guy. Just, we're free. We're freebies. We're, we have the pay, the $4.99 as well. Either or, you get goodies for the pay, and you get most everything else with the free. So, again, happy 35 next gen, and we'll see you soon.